Good evening, everybody, and welcome to In the Rough Podcast, a podcast for people who suck at golf. In case you forgot, because since it's been a whole long time, I'm Ed, and I'm joined with my partner, Jamie. How are you doing, Jamie? I'm doing great, Ed. I'm, I'm so excited to be back. It's been forever. Um, I'm pretty sure it's been six months since our last episode, but we're back. I was actually just looking at the calendar. Last time we recorded was April 28th, and due to technical difficulties, we're co- we couldn't even post that episode. I mean, geez. That's too long. We, we definitely need to get better about posting. But today is a very special episode because we have our first ever guest, and hopefully uh, we won't scare him off. Um, he's a gentleman that I've been following for quite some time. I'm a huge fan of his content, um, and he's a fantastic golfer. Um, former pro golfer turned bourbon whiskey connoisseur and uh, hip hop rap enthusiast, uh, Bill Bender the Third. What's up, man? How you doing? How you guys doing? Great, absolutely great. I'm fantastic. Glad to have you, Bill. Thanks for having me. I greatly appreciate it. So we'll just get right into it. Um, I'm, I, I I like to ask all our guests, although you're our first. How'd you get into golf? Oh man. Uh, well, my, I come from a baseball family, you know, but that was my, that was my like first calling, you know, my, my dad, he still holds records, you know, from the sixties in Babe Ruth baseball. And, and, you know, he, he was, you know, catcher of the decade at Princeton. He played for the giants and the Phillies, you know, in the majors in the seventies. And so baseball was like my family was in my family. Like I had to play baseball. But I didn't mind because I loved it. But I also played golf as well. So, I, you know, I guess I picked up a baseball bat and a golf ball or a golf club at, you know, I guess three years old, something like that. Two, three years old. I'm 41 now. Um, but, you know, growing up, you know, I, I grew up on a uh, on a golf course. You know, my backyard was the you know first green. And uh, we had a pretty big backyard. Life wasn't too bad growing up. Uh, what I did and you know we, I, I had practice you know batting practice with my dad and then I pitched to him and then I'd go hit you know a hundred wedges at seven years old six years old and I kept on doing it and you know I never never thought about it um, you know until after my dad passed away uh, a couple of years ago <clears throat> I, you know I, I thought about it I said you know although I love baseball and I was, I was pretty damn good at it uh, if he never put a baseball bat in my hand and I just stuck to golf. Uh, it'd probably be a, a very different story or a very different position in life than where I am now. Although I'm not complaining about it, you know, it just, I, I love golf. Like you just, I love it. Like I love practicing it. You know, I'm good, you know, with a, like a large bucket of a giant bucket of balls on the driving range and just hitting wedges to like 10 different pins. And, and you know what I mean? putting for, oh, yeah. for, for putting for hours you know it just it just it, it, it gets me going because you could always get better you know like the harder you push yourself the better you can get if you do it the right way like baseball is a little different because i could push myself really hard but you know it all you're a team player you know so it's a different scenario which i'm a big i'm a big team player and, and i love playing like i said i love playing baseball but you know golf is just you you could set your own you know, limitations and then you break them and then you have higher limitations, you know? So, yeah. So well, Bill, I completely agree with you on that where 
You go out one day, you have the best game of your life, and suddenly that's your new goal to beat. Everything mm-hmm. that you do to practice, whether you're playing simulated holes on the driving range or just going out and playing two balls on a hole just to practice, just to do better. Oh, yeah. You're always chasing that next goal. So Absolutely. It's ironic that you come from a baseball family because I did as well. And uh, I don't know about you, but when you were playing baseball, were you ever told, no, you can't touch that golf club because they are two completely different swings? Yeah, I wasn't allowed to play golf during baseball season because I would pop up. You know, hit pop-ups, you know, on, okay. on, on, on a baseball field. At least I'm not alone there. No, nope, I definitely. found a simple. I found a simple loophole around it. I yeah. became a pitcher. So the hey, fact yeah. of the fact that I would even touch a bat terrified a lot of people. So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. Then you know, my career ended at left field, third base, the whole left side. You put me on the right side. And I'd be like a toddler, you know, playing his first baseball game. Put me on the left side, no problem. You know, just just one of those things. That's awesome, man. Uh, sounds like not only are you happy that you found your calling in golf, we are as well. So you said that you grew up on a course. So I'm taking that you were a country club kind of kid, or uh, were you, you know, more of a municipal kind of player? I was – I, I, you know, I – it's it's a really my my life was chaotic I guess you could say it was definitely not it was normal and then it wasn't um you know uh I was a country club kid from like I don't know I guess I'd say six years old to maybe 10 or 11 and then um we had a, a very some some very unfortunate things happen uh to our family and then you know we had to move uh several times jump from house to house in high school and uh you know it's life and shit happens and it, everything kind of happened to my family uh so i was a country club kid briefly and then you know i wasn't and then in high school you know it was great you know in the 90s in the early 90s uh you get dropped off at the, the municipal course and we had pretty good municipal courses in new jersey uh but it was like okay you and your best friend, you know, my best friend and I would get dropped off and we'd go hit a bucket of balls and then we'd walk 18 and pay like 13 bucks. Like oh, it was, That's perfect. Yeah, it was I, great perfect. Course. So now I got to ask, where in Jersey are you from? Uh, I'm, I was born in Princeton. Uh, I'm, I'm from Mercer County, I, you know, Hamilton Square, uh, okay. Yard- Yardville area, like West Central New Jersey. Okay. Yeah, I grew up in uh, Morris County. So Okay. Yeah, I know. I know it. I know a lot of the golf courses up there and uh, pretty good bank for your buck. Yeah, man. Northeast golf is great. You know, although I love Florida golf and, and the golf courses that I'm, I could play now down here, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to play these golf courses. Uh, you know, Northeast golf is just, it, it just, it, it's different. It hits different. You know, you got, you know, it, it's just a lot, the angles of lies and, and slopes and stuff. You know, you, I just miss that. You take it for granted, but you take everything for granted if you're there your entire life. Well, I mean, that's one of the absolutely hilarious things. Everywhere that you go, the golf is so much different. Yep. If you're used yep. to playing mm-hmm. in Florida, it's flat with a ton of water. The second that you get North Carolina or above, in my opinion, you're suddenly like, wait, there's a hill here? And God forbid mm-hmm. you're walking. It's a lot worse all of a sudden. Yeah. 
and you're and it's, you know you go from sand based and and a spread it uh, you know a spread it out root system to a clay base and a deep root system once you hit north so <laughs> divots yeah. get get bigger and longer and it's not not much of a you know, picker you know you know what i mean yeah i mean at least for me um so for me i was born and raised in south florida i really wouldn't want to live anywhere else but um I spent a little time in North Carolina because I got married up there not too long ago. And I got introduced to actual thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I got introduced to actual elevation in trying to calculate slope because I have a range fire that doesn't have slope because I don't need slope here in Florida. <laughs> and it was completely different. It was a different animal and I loved it and I can't wait to go back. Yeah, man. We just we actually just played I just played uh on Saturday and right outside of Louisville, Kentucky. And that was, that was beautiful. It was beautiful out there. Kentucky bluegrass. Good stuff. Oh my God. That sounds incredible. You're yeah. My great. mouth water. <laughs> great. I was, I was, I was dead from the night before. I almost didn't make it. I said I had like three or four small heart attacks in the, in the car on the way to the golf course, but we, I fought through it and, you know, it didn't play well, but I, I got it done. That's the best. The best part is I got it done. You muscled through. That's all that matters. I did, man. I was struggling. Somebody brought out those those high noon things, and I was like, "What's that?" Because I couldn't drink whiskey. Like I drank oh, enough of it. Oh, the, those are those. Uh, out, was it seltzer waters? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, don't, I don't. I don't drink any of that stuff. And I think I drank like twenty of them. <laughs> just keep giving me more. I'll, I'll be okay. <laughs> just keep. Just keep feeding me them. I'll be fine. Give me a cigar you know, now. Okay, I'm good. Let's go. You know what? For as popular as those things are, they will give you the most ripping hangover ever. Like, uh, just because they're all vodka and sugar. Like, yeah. you'll pound them because they go down so easy on a nice hot day. It's like water. You mm-hmm. wake up the next day and you're like, what the hell happened to me? Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, oh I, I don't know about that anymore. For not, I don't know about the high noons for me. You know, we were, we pounded so much whiskey the night before uh i'm I'm actually getting a hangover just thinking about it right now all right um so bill did you ever end up playing in high school or were you did you end up playing college at all no man i played baseball i I just never played yeah i just played baseball uh and i came home i came when i came home from college in 1999 1998 it was a brief stint in college. I got really, really sick and I couldn't play baseball. So, um, you know, I, I had to, it was, it was, it was on, you know, uh, partial scholarship and stuff like that. But if I couldn't play baseball, then they, they weren't going to give me it obviously. And I was sick for about eight months, almost a year. Um, so I came home and that's when I started, you know, bartending. I was in the hospitality industry my entire life. Uh, but it's when I started bartending and, and, you know, I was already drinking whiskey illegally at, let's say, 13, 14 years old. Um, but I came home and, and I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm not playing baseball anymore. And I was okay with that. You know, it's, I'm not going to play in an over 20 league, you know, because it's like I'm not doing it. I, I refuse. Um, so I said, you know what? I'm just going to practice because that's going to be my next thing. You know, I, I'm going to practice real hard. And I was hitting balls in, you know, the middle of blizzards and, heated stalls in uh, driving ranges, you know, in the wintertime in New Jersey. And, uh, you know, I was like seven days a week for, let's see, 
three, three, four years, something like that. You know, I get coaches and, you know, go play and try to play in some stuff, whatever that was available up there. And, and uh, then I moved down here uh, in 04, I think, 2004. And then I hurt myself again. And, and uh, finally, like 07, 08, that's when I turned pro. I played a, played a bunch of mini tours and, and uh, you know, all the qualifiers you could possibly imagine that I could possibly go to. Uh, and, you know, that was it. And for the longest time when I first started playing, you know, professionally, it was just, it was different. It was like, you know, you couldn't beat me and take any of my money during a practice round at all. But, you know, when they announced my name, you know, on the first tee, it wasn't like, all right, we're going to have fun today and shoot low. It was like, okay, dummy, you need to make some money or else your cell phone is going to get shut off. Or, you know, you, you can't put gas in your car if you don't make a check. So, and it got, the pressure got, uh, it was, it was very, uh, it was very tough and it affected my game really, really bad. And I started putting up monster numbers on the scoreboard and, uh, the mental thing kind of ate, ate me away. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you don't really prepare yourself for that unless you play golf, you know, uh, competitively, you know, as a kid in high school, you know, whatever. And then, you know, college, because then you have that competitiveness, you know, I, I played against people, but it was never like a sanctioned event. And then you, once you get into that and it's like, all right, it counts, man. It's, it's just, it's different kind of golf. It's, it's, it's mental. It's, and it's not physical. And, and uh, I struggle with that a lot. I, I mean, I'll be the first one to, to uh, admit it. You know, I was a fucking head. Oh, I'm sorry. I was a, I was a, I, I was a head case on the golf course. I was a, I had to accentuate head case because that's what I was. Oh my God. That's, that's too funny. Mm. Uh, so I, I just got to ask being a head case. Were you the type of golfer who, if you're having a bad round, you just hit a shot and you just kind of like toss the club in the air, mumble something under your breath or something like that? Um, when I was, it, it, you know, it was all in the situation. Like normally when, you know, when I was younger, it was, yeah, I broke a couple clubs. You know, you're going to throw, throw some clubs. Throw, I, I got a, I remember one time I, I bought a brand new set of wedges and then I hit a sh- crappy shot on, you know, 18 of whatever golf course. And, you know, it was just a practice round or something. That was like a real bad day. Nothing was, you know, nothing was firing on any cylinder. And like, I, I hit some wedge shot that I've hit a 20 million times before I hit it fat. And it was in the bunker. You know, it was just like, just like, give me a birdie, just put it on the scorecard. And I just turned around and I threw it in the lake. You know, I just, but, but then I, you know, I don't, I don't care. You know, once I exited out of a professional golf mentality, I just, I have fun. You know, it's, it's just fun. You know, when, when I was, when I got out of it, I was still playing. You know, I still, you know, pick up the golf club like four, three, four, maybe hopefully five days a week, you know, three or four definitely. And I still like practicing and I still like playing, but, you know, it's just like, I'm 41 now, you know, and I just, there's no pressure and I, I can have fun again. Like I did when I was 12 years old, like, Oh, I'm going to go for that green with a, you know, whatever, 270 carry 
over the water, you know, to a tuck pin. I can go for it now. And if I miss it, it's just like, who cares? You know, just drop another one, you know, up at the hazard. It's just, it, it doesn't mean anything to me. So I'm actually playing better now than I was playing when I was playing full time because of the pressure is non-existent. That yeah, makes I can, a ton of sense. Yeah, I can yeah. definitely relate. When when you just stop caring, it, everything has become becomes easier. You yeah, know, it just everything comes into sync. Everything just, you know, I I was playing over at uh, Sandhill Crane, first uh, first tee shot, driver right into the woods, and I'm like, no big left. deal. Left, and, the dog leg left, right? Uh, I actually. Right. Uh, I started, uh, yeah, dog leg right. I started uh, actually on the tenth hole. Um, there was like a whole bunch of people on the first, so I was like, they were like, just start the tenth, and it, you know, I didn't play great, but I had a lot of fun. And honestly, that's why I play this play this sport. I just want to have fun. That's right. It's the minute the minute golf didn't become, you know, the minute golf became a job and not, you know, a game that you enjoy because like it's it you know everything's a game you know sports are a game football basketball you know anything it's it's all a game and you if you treat it like a game you know practice hard work hard have good work ethic but treat it like a game then you're, you're going to succeed and you're going to thrive and you're going to want to do more you know want to be better but you know once it becomes a business once it becomes a job that's you know it's it's not you you end up suffering more, you know. The you practice your heart out. You go shoot like you know, drop two balls in a practice round for the U.S. Open qualifier and shoot sixty two and sixty four or something, and then go out the next day for the actual qualifier and shoot eighty five and not even know what happened. Like how did that happen? Yeah, it's just mind boggling, you know. Yeah, no, and that's extremely interesting because a lot of people don't realize the pressure that a lot of athletes are under. And a lot of people look at, say, the MLB, for instance. They say, oh, this poor guy who's sitting on a $250 million contract for the next six years. Right. He's really suffering because he gets to play a game all day. Yeah, but realistically, exactly. they don't know everything that's actually behind it. So, well, I mean, that's very interesting making, to hear. If I was making $250 million, you know – if that was guaranteed, you know, that's a different story because well, you either, yeah, of on, course, on the but... golf course, you either make it or you don't, you know what I mean? And then if that you don't make it, true. and then you have to go through, you know, hell's gauntlet to get back on, to get your card. Like Q mm -hmm. school is no joke whatsoever. Uh, it's, ridiculous. It's, it's definitely a grind. And I know golf loves a grinder, but man, um, I, those kids that, that do it or, even even the older adults, you know, with families, I, I just don't know how they do it. You got to be rich. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you're rich, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose. That's when you take – that's when the pressure comes off. You know, you have sponsors and, and, and that, and you come from money or, you know, you, you, know, you have money yourself. You know, it, it really doesn't matter um, because it's just the thing. Oh, I'm going to be okay. I'm not worried about it. But, you know, when when this is your when it was your life or it's your life and, you know, it's got to count when it counts and you can't pull it off. And it's like uh, detrimental to your, your mental health. Mm -hmm. So, so you, you were saying you you were saying you played in some uh, some leagues. What leagues have you played in? 
Um, I played, it was the Golf Slinger Tour, and it's the minor league tour now. Uh, it's That's down here. Um, and I played, for fun, towards the end, I played in, uh, like, the IGTA. That was fun. It was I, just I've fun. Actually- I've heard of that one, yeah. I'm... Yeah, it's it's really fun actually, and you know, there's a lot of good golfers that go out on it. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's weird, you know. It's weird two day tournaments, and it's like eight hundred bucks for registration, but you can win like ten grand. Freaking ridiculous! It, 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 it gets up there for sure. It gets up there, but like, it's not really like a it's not really a serious tour. And then like you have, you know, everybody who's in the tournament on you know the the end of of the first round. You know, I've seen thousands of dollars exchange hands on the putting green, you know, making bets, you know, for like longest putt, crazy stuff. But those are all good guys, you know. Um, And I played U.S. Open qualifiers and Honda Classic qualifiers. And and, uh, man, Tampa Open used to be called the transition. Yeah, so weird fact, I didn't know that you could lose a pro card. There you go. Yeah, you can lose a pro card for sure. I, well, I didn't. If you, if I didn't go to, realize it. If you go to the PGA Tour, if you're on the PGA Tour, you know you have your tour card, like the legitimate tour card, and then if you come outside the, you know, whatever top 125, then you know you don't, you don't, you you lose your PGA Tour card, but you don't really lose your professional card. You know, you're a pro. You know, if you turn, if you say you turn pro, then you turn pro, but. You know, if you're not good enough, then you're screwed because you can't play in amateur events for, I think you have to send a letter. I don't know. You got to send a letter to uh, somewhere like PGA of America or something like that. And then once they receive the letter saying you you, you don't want to be a pro anymore, you withdraw your pro status. It takes 365 days from that date of the letter to become an amateur again. I, I mean, that's what it was a long time ago. It might be different now, but I, I like I. I don't even follow the, you know, keep in touch up to date with the rules anymore because I don't need to. I just want to play golf. Yeah. Oh, I understand but, that. No, I just, I just didn't know that when you said it earlier, I was like, wait, that's a thing. I, I just thought once you made that pro status, you just kind of kept it. I mean, yeah, I know you maybe, do until you don't, okay. until you want it, until you want it gone. Like literally, it's, it's like uh, you could enter a pro tour, professional tournament, whether it's a one day or a two day or or, you know, a qualifier and you could check amateur, but let's just say you go to the Honda classic as an amateur and you check amateur and you go lights out for four days, you qualify and the prize is what? One point, whatever is, let's say $1.5 million. Guess what? 1.7. 1.7. Guess what? You win that tournament as an amateur, you get none of that. You get like 600 bucks, something like that. And then the what? money goes, the money goes to the pro that comes in, you know, the closest to first place. So of course oh you're going to, of course you're going to withdraw your amateur status. And you're going to check the box of a professional golfer. Of course I'm a pro. I want to win the, I want to win the money. That's what I'm, what I'm here for. Oh, of course that is. Wow. Really puts yeah. it in perspective. Yeah. So going back to uh, the normal programming off of this little sidetrack, even though it was very informative for me, What's the most difficult course you've played? Uh, Kiowa, the ocean course. Ah, uh, jealous. Yeah. So uh, I was there, um, and I think this is when I was – I think it was 08. Oh, no, it was maybe 2010. 
Uh, and um, wind was blowing south to north. You know, that course runs south to you know north to south. It's you know, all the holes. It's right on the beach, right there. And um, the wind was like 15, 20 miles an hour. So or let's just say let's say ten to fifteen. It wasn't quite twenty, and uh, it was from south to north. And um, I was warming up. I was I was, and uh, I played the back tees, and I got up on the I got up on the tee box, and I was I was hitting from the tips, and the caddy who may or may not have gotten drunk that day with with you know me um um he's like where are you playing you know that's like the first thing he said he's like where are you playing and i'm like thinking to myself like this guy's gonna tell me to move up and we're gonna have a problem because i'm playing this i'm playing this course yeah i don't care so he's like no 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 no. you're gonna play you know back there or whatever the hell and he pointed back and it was the pga championship tees so i played every inch square inch of that entire golf course that day and I think the first like three or four holes are downwind. So, you know, it was, I think it was like two or three under something like that through five. And I was like, yeah, I got this. So I was like this course, you know, whatever. And then like, it's something like the next 11 holes, something like that, 10 or 11 holes is going South. So you're dead into the teeth. Like the uh-huh. first hole when we turned around was a par three. And it was like, it was playing with the wind. It was playing like 240, 250. And I had to, I tried to smoke a three wood and I hit it a little bit too high. Go in the hole. And uh, the thing landed like 30 yards short of the green, plugged in the bunker, and I made double bogey. And I was like, oh no, we're in trouble. And like from there, it was just like a series of, I, like I felt like I was, you know, in like army crawling through basic <laughs> training. Like that's how golf was, you know, that day. And uh, turned around into the wind. It was whatever it is, the last three or four holes again, go back to the north. You know, I was downwind. And uh, the par three was playing who was playing a ridiculous number. And uh, I had one bounce, hit the pin, and it rolled off the front, like all the way down 30 feet into a gully. And I was like, come on, just, you know, just give me something. And, uh, you know, that course definitely ate my lunch that day definitely ate my lunch can i ask uh what you what you score uh, what was your score or uh i shot like uh 77 78 something like that 77 from the tips ladies and gentlemen jesus and this guy's complaining i'd, I'd shoot well over 115 120 from it's the tips a, it's a, it's a beast man I, you know i just uh i mean hey guess what i'm happy with 77 or 78 that day but it was it was tough like I've never in my life, uh, I, the last part four when it turns around and goes into the wind, go back to the winds when it goes back uh-huh. to the clubhouse, yeah. right? it's like it's a force carry like over water, and it's just like you're into the wind, and it's a force carry over water. And the tee box is basically in somebody's backyard, and I hit like driver three iron sand wedge to the to the hole, and as it was, it's just it was crazy. It was just nuts. So, so no one iron, right? No, I didn't have the one iron then. I, I that one iron was later down the road, and that thing's that thing's so much fun to hit. 
I mean, you're the only person I know that actually has a one iron. I actually want to talk about that video that you posted during the pandemic. How did that, how did that not go viral? Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I, I have no idea. I, I, I've, I've, I've seen dumber videos go more big, but that one to me was the most entertaining. Like it was well thought out. You got bourbon, you got toilet paper. One iron, what more do you want? Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think it probably had to do with actually, you know what? I have no idea. I, I really have no idea. I mean, I posted that twice and I was like, post, I was, I said, tag these these pages and nothing. I got nothing from Barstool, nothing from, you know, any of the golf, nothing from ESPN, nothing. So, whatever. So I, I don't think you paid enough. I don't, I, I, I think. In, Nowadays, you're going to have to pay a little extra to get those videos up there. I don't do that, though, so it's okay. I'm not a pay-to-play kind of guy. <laughs> uh, so during these mini-tours, um, who was the guy to beat? Um, was there any guy that you saw you saw their name on there and you're like, shit, it's this guy? Oh, I, you know, I, you know I, I, keep, I kept my head down. I, you know, I, t- I, t- I talked to some people. And for the life of me, I can't remember who they were, but, you know, for the most part, these are, these are guys that, you know, most of them had something to prove and uh, half of them were, you know, I want to say several bad words right now, but you get the picture. Mm -hmm. Um, They were not nice, Uh, but you know, it's whatever it is. It is what it is. And I just kind of kept my head down and tried to do my own thing. And I just, did my own thing and I got out. Um, there was one guy that played on the mini tour that actually was in the U S open, uh, at Olympic in, uh, San Fran, but I can't remember my name, his name for the life of me. Uh, I remember one mini tour event one day, I, Lexi Tom Thompson played with us and she was playing from the tips and she beat 75% of the field. You know, she was like, I think she was like 18 or 19. Uh-huh. She was beating grown men, out driving grown men from the tips. That wow. is absolutely insane. It's so, kind of wild. Yeah, it definitely is. So if you were to categorize the best and worst part of your game, what would they be? I mean, geez, the best and worst part of my game. If, if uh, I can, if I can, if I can just say something, I have seen enough of your videos to know that you can putt with a wedge very well. Yeah, yeah. It's almost, and I, it's and I know easier. it's, and I know it's not edited because I've seen your. It's 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 literally you you chip from around the green. You walk up and you just do a nice little either tap in because you get it so close or you get a long putt. I'm like, this guy with a wedge, and I have a putter. That ha- that's the largest moment of inertia ever made, and I can't make anything. Sometimes you just got to will them in, man. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't believe that. You know, I heard a lot of stories, you know, about, you know, I think Arnold Palmer used to say, like, I used to, you know, will it in. He said it in some interview. I never really understood it. And, and then they're kind of like, you know, I get older and, and you know, you, you see more things and you read about more stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah, will it in. Why not? So 
if you walk up to a putt and you're like, I'm going to make this putt and you, and you're, you're projecting that, you know, out into the universe. And like, that sounds so crazy for, for it to come out of my mouth because I never believed in any of that. I was always like, no, you have to hit 300 four foot putts right now over and over and over and over again. And then when you get on the, on the course, it's going to be like, you know, no, like a no brainer, like automatic. And some of the times it is, but it's not because then you got to add the pressure in there. That four foot putt turns into, you know, a hundred foot putt in your brain between your ears. But like, you know, sometimes you know, just you walk up and you just, you feel it like, yeah, I'm going to make this putt. And sometimes you make it, you know, and sometimes you don't, but when you do make it and you know, you're going to make it, 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 it makes it that much better. But when I was growing up, my dad would, my dad put a wedge in my hands and he would make me hit four and five foot putts, you know, with the wedge because it's such a small, that corner of that club face, you know, or the corner of the bottom of the club, um, you have to hit the golf ball directly in the middle of the golf ball for it to roll pure. And if you hit it a little, you know, underneath, then it pops up and, you know, you actually chip it. Or if you hit it over, you know, too high on the ball, then it doesn't go anywhere. You know what I mean? So you really yeah. have to you, – you really had to focus on hitting the back of the ball when you put it with a wedge. And I don't know. I just – I like it. It's fun. It, it, it makes it fun. Yeah. So would you say that's the best part of your game, the putting with the wedge? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess you'd say that, putting, putting with my wedge. You know, it's, uh, so, all, it's all different, man. <laughs> One day I can miss every putt and hit every fairway. The next day I can miss every green and make every putt. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. It's, I mean, I'm sorry, but I got to say it. Man's over here talking about putting with a wedge. I can barely putt with a putter. Yeah. I mean, like, seriously. But, I you know, mean, that's, that's awesome. It just, you know, you, 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 you putt for six hours until your back hurts. And uh-huh. and then you putt for three more hours until it's so dark you can't even see, and then you do it seven days a week for a really long time, and you know, kind of, you know, whether you're doing it right or you're doing it wrong, you're doing a repetition of something, and you know, just it is what it is. You either make uh-huh. it or you don't. You know, you got a fifty-fifty shot, right? You either make it or you don't make it. So sometimes yeah. you get lucky, sometimes you don't. <laughs> So I got to ask a very serious question. I'm sorry for this. Uh, if you could only drink one bourbon while you play golf, and for those who have never seen your videos, it's primarily you playing golf, drinking some of the most amazing bourbons around straight from the bottle, yeah. which, my, which, my, which my wife has strongly discouraged and has told me if I do it again, I'm sleeping in the, uh, the guest bedroom. Yeah. If you could only drink one bourbon for an entire year while golfing, what would it be? It would be JTS Brown, bottle and bond, 100 proof. It's a $12 bottle of bourbon, and it beats out 90% of – well, it beats out, yeah, 85 90% of most of the stuff that, that it gets overlooked for. Do you mind telling our listeners one more time what bourbon that is? Because we got to – JTS Brown, uh, bottled and bond. It's the hundred proof. There's an eighty proof and there's a hundred proof. The hundred proof. It's been around since the late eighteen hundreds, and uh, Heaven Hill uh, brand uh, took it over in the thirties. And uh, it's been in a couple movies. Actually, it's been in one movie, but 
Um, and it's $11.99. Unfortunately, you can't get it in Florida. So if you know anybody in Kentucky or any other state that, that sells it, you know, I, I kind of get, I get people to, to ship some down to me here and there. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's a $12 bottle of bourbon and it's really, really good. And you can take it to the golf course and guess what? If it, God forbid, breaks, you're just like, oh, it's not that bad because it's only 12 bucks. I can get more. And if you have two foursomes or a foursome or, you know, however many people and you drink the whole bottle, you're like, hey, that was a great time and well worth it because that bottle was only 12 bucks and mm -hmm. we could do it again next week. You know what I mean? No, definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to write that. Uh, I actually wrote it down. I'm going to have to add, you're going to have to do me a favor since you're somewhere near around that area. Yeah. Try to find that for me, please. Yeah, no. So when he said that, I actually wrote that down as well. I need to uh, keep exploring, find some new bourbons. Uh, currently yeah. loving the new riff, but I mean, yeah. new riff Bill, is don't great, judge man. too much, but I'm still actually a uh, a bit of a Buffalo Trace junkie. That's fine, know. man. Easy to yeah. find, but tasty. Nothing. You can't pee Buffalo Trace, man. Buffalo Trace mm -hmm. is... It's, it's, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a Pappy guy. I, I don't like Pappy Van Winkle, no. and I'm not, I'm not a fan of it, and I'm open about that. Uh, there's other stuff that's way, way better um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and way cheaper. So I got to ask, what's your opinion on uh, Blanton's? It's, it's a regular run-of-the-mill bourbon that somebody, you know, freaked out about because nobody could find it, and now it's impossible, and it's going for – God knows how much, 250 bucks, 150, 250 bucks, 300 bucks. And it's a $35 bottle of bourbon. And it's, uh, it's like 94 proof or whatever it is. It's, it's under a hundred proof. I don't really drink anything too much. That's under a hundred proof just because, uh, it just because I drink too much. I'm, and I, I'm used to this bio, the, the, the hazard hazmat stuff. Like anything over 100, 120 to 148 proof is like my wheelhouse. Like I'll drink 144 proof bourbon all day and love it. But if I drink, you know, stuff that's under 100 proof, I'll drink the entire bottle in like an hour or two. And I'm not proud yeah. of that. It's just, you know, I, I uh, you have a tolerance. I have a tolerance. And you know what it is? It's, it's um, you know, like let's say Jack Daniels is a perfect, perfect example of, of this. So Jack Daniels, you know, it's, what is it, 20 million cases, 20 million, 12 packs a year, something crazy like that. And it's, what is it, 80 proof, something like that? Something like that. that. It's it 80 proof. So, you know, when it, when it comes out of the barrel, it comes out really at a high, very high proof. So, you know, they blend it and then they, they, they proof it down. They proof it down to that uh, because, you know, the average drinker or, you know, somebody who hasn't gotten to uh, any kind of whiskey before that's a good introduction or it's, it's an easy drinker for, you know, anybody in the drink, in the, in the whiskey spectrum on the whiskey spectrum. I mean, anybody can drink that. Now, when you proof stuff down to a certain point, um, the flavors kind of get diluted. So you have this other line that just came out recently within the last, what, five, seven, eight years. Uh, that's Jack Daniels, which is straight, you know, a, a, a barrel proof, you know, which is a higher proof, you know, right around, I guess, 120, 110 to 120, 
I'm, 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 I'm looking it up right now. It can be anywhere from 125 to 140. Okay, there you go. So 125 to 140, and you could take a group there, and, and you know, and you could pick your own barrel, and you don't know what it's going to be proof-wise. You're just going to get it because it tastes good, and then when that barrel gets bottled, it's like, okay, that was 137. You're like, holy crap, this is ridiculous. So, you know, <laughs> what you have there is is a, a unproofed-down version of what Jack Daniels is – it, you know, at, when it comes out of the barrel and it's so, some of it's so good, like you can't, you know, it, it, it's, it's actually, it's ridiculous. Um, and a couple of buddies of mine, somebody, one of them, one of their friends, they picked a barrel of, of Jack Daniels, a uh, barrel proof. And literally they called it like the Jesus barrel because it was so <laughs> ridiculous. They thought only Jesus could, could pick it. Like that's how ridiculous it was. So you have that, and then you have the upper, the other side of the spectrum of Jack Daniels, where it's eighty proof, and and you know you can, you know, mix it with ginger ale, and and you know just have a whiskey and ginger. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, I owe you a huge, huge thank you for introducing me to one of my personal favorites, Noah's Mill. Hell yeah, man! Um, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I brought it to my bachelor party. All right. So I'm a bourbon drinker. I like the higher proof bourbons like you, Bill. Um, You have to, not everyone is used to bourbon. Not everyone's Mm -hmm. used to very high proof. So when I poured, uh, when I poured everyone a a cup, uh, it wasn't well received, uh, but fuck it. I don't care. I loved it. It was one of the best. And I'm, I'm so pissed. I actually tried. I went to two different shops before I came back from work, and I could not find anything. Oh yeah. But yes, uh, that is one of my favorite bourbons, and all thanks to one of your videos. You know, that's those are that's all Willet, um, mm-hmm. and the stuff that you find now isn't the same stuff that when it first came out. The first stuff that came out was like 14 or 15 year stuff with the black wax top. Now it's cellophane, I think. Um, but yeah, it's still a solid bottle. Everything that, that Willet really does is a solid bottle. Everything on that, like Kentucky um, KBD, Kentucky Bourbon Distillers, that's um, like the Johnny Drum, such good stuff. The old Bardstown, uh, mm-hmm. Row, Rowan's Creek is like the, the sister bottle to Noahsville. It's the lower proof version of it. Um, it's funny because I was we I just looked I literally was looking at Rowan's Creek on, this weekend on Friday when we landed I was like oh shit look oh sorry I was like oh crap dude. look there's Rowan's Creek so yeah it's good stuff man very good stuff yeah definitely I mean I I, I tried drinking so I, I tried doing the Bill Bender thing I tried drinking straight from the bottle while golfing I got a lot of looks. Not hey. great looks. Good, um, good. Y- yes. Um, some guy looked at me and he goes, tough round? I was like, nope, the best round ever. <laughs> best hey. round ever. Hey, did you see my ball? <laughs> hey, it's all good until the, until the car girl pulls up and hands you a flyer for AA. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I, you know, I, I, um, I haven't seen a car girl in any round of golf in months and months. 
It's weird. It's like the golf courses I I'm playing. Like no car, no car curl, which is fine yeah. because we don't I, really I think need you're right going. I think you're going to the wrong course because um, uh, you know I'm I'm uh, now that you mention it, I'm now that I you know I just moved down here, I'm a right. little bit yeah I'm I'm in the tre- up in the Treasure Coast, but now mm-hmm. that I'm in the Palm Beach area, I haven't seen very many car curls. When I'm up in the Treasure Coast, there are everywhere. I don't know what it is. But I'm just putting it out there. Palm Beach, oh. get your get get your stuff together. More <laughs> girls. Dude, I played two weeks ago in North Carolina. And I'm sitting on this hole, so it's no joke. Like I think with the heat index, it was somewhere high nineties, low one hundreds. It we were baking and we're sitting on this T box. And I see the car call come up. I'm like Oh, this is great. It's like hole number four, hole number five. I'm like, is she going to be cute? Like, hey. what's going on here? This woman was no joke in her late 40s. Not attractive at all. I saw that. I'm like, no, no, no. Go, go, go. We're good. We're good. <laughs> you know, you, oh need, you, need, you need one of those towels. There's a company right now that makes a towel that you put over your golf cart, the visor in the front where it reads a message saying beer me and if and in green and if you're good you can flip it over it's red saying we're good you need that okay can we post the link for that on the uh definitely because personally i think that i would replace my saturdays are for the boys towel with that one yeah it's uh quite genius whoever whoever i've seen that before Million dollar idea for sure. Yep. But um, somebody already took it. All right. So you got a lot of things going on. You uh, is is. So I'm look. I go to your Insta, your Instagram, and there's a whiskey logo there. Maybe like what's going on with that? Um, there is a page on Instagram that's not my personal page called Bender Stash Whiskey. And Mm -hmm. the only thing I could say is that uh, it is real and that you should follow it. Enough said. That's that's it. That's all I can say about that. Right, ladies and gentlemen, please. Right now, go. What's what's the full? What's the what's the handle? It's called Binders Stash Whiskey. Love it. Just followed it. There's no there's no post on it yet, but I can guarantee you that the first post on this page well it's going to break the interweb it's going to break it the interweb the inter that's what i call it the interweb <laughs> so um ed is actually the it guy of the group and, oh yeah um, so, yeah he is so uh, the is that why well, i got that interweb <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> hey i mean <laughs> At least you didn't call it like that computer doohickey thingamabobber. Jesus. Oh, no, man. Hey, listen. I, uh, I, I, I literally got like my first laptop ever in the history of me being a, a, on this earth, like maybe a month and a half ago, because I never needed one because mm-hmm. you, know, you do stuff off your phone now so much. And I'm always like a pen and a pencil. I, I love pencils. Pencil and paper, bro. Can't get can't get away from it. It's there's something about it. Just it makes me feel like that old schoolish, 
you know, like architect, like Indiana Jones of the Temple of Doom type thing. You know, that's, that's what I feel when I use the pencil and, and the notebook. And, <laughs> and, I, and I really like that. But, you know, uh, and I never really wanted to be on Instagram at all. Like I never, never, I didn't want anything to do with social media. Like I'm not on Facebook, you know, I'm not on any, anything, you know, I had to be on LinkedIn for, for work, you know, for jobs and stuff. But, you know, uh, I, I, I did a bar program uh, for a company and they're like, Hey, you know, uh, you have to start a social media page on Instagram. And, and that was like 2013. I've literally been on Instagram for what, what is it? You know, eight years now. And, um, uh, I had to learn from scratch. Like the first post I ever posted on Instagram was like seven bottles of Grey Goose. Like come, come see so-and-so at the bar program. I just did like, I didn't know about hashtags or algorithms or when the posts, you know, what are the hot times and what are, what's not. You know, there was no, like, none of these reels and, you know, everything's getting so complicated. Like, I'm, I'm speaking my age now, you know, complaining uh-huh. about technology and shit, but, and stuff. Damn, I keep on cursing. I'm sorry, guys. It's okay. <laughs> we'll um, forgive you. Thank you. Uh, but, yeah, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm getting used to it. I'm getting used to the technology thing, you know. I got, I, I'm, I'm taking taking the, the, the YouTube seminars on, on, uh, Microsoft Office and stuff like that. Oh, trying to very be, professional. Trying, trying to be <laughs> responsible, you know. <laughs> oh my so, god, that is too funny. So yeah, I, man. I, I gotta ask Bill, um, what what are you drinking right now? What bourbon are you drinking? <clears throat> you know, it's funny because I just poured myself more. And I wasn't gonna drink tonight, but uh, <clears throat> when I do lives and stuff with other people and other pages. I tend to drink and it tends usually tends to get completely out of control um, when it's, when it's video. Um, uh, So I'm kind of behaving myself tonight, but my buddy, um, his name's uh, Ryan. He goes by bourbon buddy on Instagram. Uh, He's part of uh, the Cleveland uh, whiskey society, Cleveland whiskey club, but Mm -hmm. this is his, he, he did a pick, uh, Sealbox, uh, which everybody knows Sealbox is, um, it's a restaurant, uh, and they actually just did their own, um, they just did their own label that just came out. I'm supposed to get a bottle in the mail. It just reminded me of that. I just reminded myself of that. So anyway, so my buddy, my buddy, Bourbon Buddy, he did a, a private barrel pick for, from Barrel Bourbon, um, mm-hmm. And it is 114 proof, and they and it, he called it sweet tooth, and it is. It's really really sweet for 100. It's like it's like uh, Halloween candy, like candy corn. That's what it tastes like, but it's 114 no proof. I I don't know how old it is. Um, actually, that's a lie. It's a blend: 45% five year, 20% ten year, 30% fourteen year, and 5% sixteen year. So it has a bunch of years in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's a standard blend for them, uh, because it's labeled, but this is really good stuff. Uh, he does really good barrel picks. Um, I've, he sent me a bunch of them. He's actually mailed stuff to my house in Florida. And when he comes here to visit, uh, 
he comes to my house. I've like we've hung out in my house and just gotten hammered, you know, with the with the stuff he he uh, sends in the mail. It's actually, you know, the whiskey community is absolutely amazing. Um, you know, granted, you know, with every kind of community, whether it be sports or uh, you know entertainment or art or you know whatever whiskey it is, uh, you know, there's there's great people, and with the whiskey community, there's so many great people, but then there's also terrible people and I, I mentioned it in my post yesterday or the day before yesterday that you know I have a list and you don't want to be on that list because that's that's where all the, the terrible whiskey people are you know I, I try to I try to uh preach and convey a message of hey man you know if you want to ask questions just ask questions there's no stupid questions you know because everybody's trying to learn. I'm still trying to learn stuff. I'm, you know, I'm still learning stuff every day about whiskey. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, asking questions makes you more knowledgeable and, and you know, know, if somebody asks somebody a question and that person who gets the, you know, the question asked to them, you know, and you know, they, they look down their noses and, you know, they're snobby and, 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 uh, you know, and rude and like, you know, you know, talk down to that person. Those are the type of people that are on the list. And I, unfortunately I've met these people and, 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 and that's why they're on the list. Um, mm-hmm. And the other people that, you know, don't really care about, you know, they play nice and they're like, Oh, I want to be on the, in the whiskey community and I want to be cool. But you know, they're, they're just on their pages on, on Instagram and, you know, they're just trying to beef up their algorithms and, and try to gain more followers so they could start getting free stuff from companies. You know, it's it, it just kind of like a, a clout grab. I don't like those people either. Um, and I have people on my list that are that type of person. Uh, but for the most part, if you ask people, especially people that follow me, um, you know, any kind of questions about whiskey, I, I answer everybody that, you know, DMs me. Uh, any kind of questions, you know, no matter whatever it is, uh, because you have to, you know, because every everybody's you have to be cool with everybody, um, uh-huh. you know, and it, it's it's kind of like a it's a good karma thing, you know. You treat others. I was I was I was raised like, you know, potty trained and and table, you know, etiquette, dinner manners. Like I was trained at gunpoint by my parents, and like they would be into me you know, respect, respect your elders and treat people how you want to be treated. And, uh, you know, I, I try to just carry on those things because it's important, you know? Yeah, you, definitely. You, you, you want to treat people with respect and, you know, that's, that's, that's what it's all about, you know, especially, especially when it comes to whiskey. No, definitely. Definitely. So are you one of those people that you can tell who the person is based on the bourbon slash whiskey they drink. Um, so, uh, all right, example, I'm, uh, I'm drinking right now, iron smoke, casket okay. strength. Um, it's about 120 proof. I, I diluted it just a hair with water, just like a dash. And um, I think Ed was actually the one that bought me my whiskey glasses on my wedding registry. Thank you very much, Ed. I'm pretty sure it was you. Is who else? Oh, just just accept it. You know, just. (laughs) I'll I'll be honest. The sad thing is that I don't remember, so I'm just gonna say yes, and you're welcome. (laughs) Okay, thank you cards are in 
thank you cards are in the mail for those who keep messaging me. It's like, where's my thank you card? You're getting them. I promise. I promise. I promise. So I'm, yeah, I'm drinking Iron Smoke, Casket Strength, uh, 120 proof, a hair diluted, just a hair of water in there right now. What are you thinking of me right now? Well, uh, I'm thinking you like what you like, man. Um, I like it. Yep. It, you know, people like what they like and there's no right and no wrong um, because everybody has their own uh, taste. Uh, everybody has their own palate. Uh, it's like a thumbprint. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people, people agree and people like good stuff, you know, as a, as a whole, but you know, some people branch off and, you know, they like stuff that's not really, you know, popular or uh, not really um, widely, ex- I don't want to say widely accepted because, you know, it's, there's, there's very eclectic bottles of whiskey. And I say that just like barrel bourbon has, like a, it's like a seagrass release and, and they use like uh, apricot brandy barrels. They finish their rye in and stuff. And, and, you know, some people have a taste for it. Some people don't, you know, there's no right or no wrong. Now, if, now if you were like, I'm drinking Pabby Van Winkle 23 right now because it's the best whiskey in the entire world, I would, I would put you in another category and you would probably go on my list. I'm not kidding. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you know who, uh, um, do you know who owns Iron Smoke? Um, I, I know that it is a, okay, so I know just a little bit. I know the company is based in New York. New York, yeah. So I know the casket strength, the one that I'm drinking. Yeah. The owner, the owner was wondering what bourbon like what would happen if you were to uh, make the bourbon in apple wood chips because he was smoking something or gr- I, don't, I, don't, I don't know anything about grilling or smoking. So please don't do not DM me and just be like, you're completely wrong about how this is happening. Do people really it, do that? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure people have a lot of free time on their hands nowadays, you know, but I know that he was, cause when I was there, like, I am total wine and other, you know, I try to shop the mom and pop shops and uh, I'm, you know, everyone's best customer. They were telling uh-huh. me that it was, um, he was just wondering what it would be like if you were to incorporate apple wood chips. Aside from that, that's all I know. So educate me. Tom, the owner of the company is uh, Tommy Burnett, the Tommy Burnett band. Uh, you- oh, you're not, you're kidding, right? Nope. nope. That is my wife's favorite band. Is it really? Yeah. She's yeah, Tommy, Tommy she, Brunette, she, man. It's great. It's so awesome. She's introduced me to a whole bunch of bands and a whole bunch of things that I would have never really listened to myself or experienced. But yeah, uh, I remember driving over to one of my um one of my buddies weddings in over Kingsland, Georgia, and she's uh-huh. and then she's like, I'm taking over this trip and she started playing music and i'm like all right what's this and she told me and i'm like oh all right all right yeah tommy tommy brunette uh <laughs> owns uh iron smoke and it's uh it's pretty 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 cool i've been on the phone with him a bunch i actually i've sat down and drank with him before down here uh, it's pretty wild well if you um if you talk to him anytime soon let him know i'm a fan and yeah. um thank you for making some good bourbon yeah 
I actually I'm staring at that bottle right now. I have it in my uh, I have it in my cabinet. Yeah. So when you were when, when you were mentioning Blanton's and um, I was ducking my head and I'm like, oh, I was because, you know, when you get married, you know, you, you, at least for me and some other guys that I know, when you get married, you want a nice bourbon to complement the occasion. You want a, a bourbon to share with the boys, with your father, with, you know, the guys before, you know, you, you, you walk down the aisle, you say I do. And, yeah, man. Um, hey. Yeah. Uh, Ed, Ed, um, Ed actually, so came through because I tried, I, I've been trying to get a hold of Blanton's for a while because I, I, I don't know what it's like. I want to try it. So I hey. actually went over to Sweetwater and uh, that's, that's where, where I was drinking with Tommy Brunette. I was drinking him with him in Sweetwater. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was like, I, I waved to the bartender. I'm like, let me try some Blanton's. Loved it. I, to, I, I, I texted Ed. I'm like, we need to get this for my wedding. He came through. Thank you so much, Ed. And I'm a fan. So don't judge me, please. I, I like no, it. Listen, no, <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm not judging you. And, and, and don't get me wrong. You know, Blanton's is a solid bottle of bourbon. But mm-hmm. when, I, when I talk about Blanton's, I talk about how ridiculous the, the, people. The, the people are now these days because – they're like mind melting over getting a bottle of Blanton's and, you know, whether they've drank it or not before, you know, it, I put it in perspective like this because I've been drinking whiskey for so long and I was in the hospitality industry for so long, um, you know, six, seven years, six years ago, five, five, six, seven years ago, let's say five years ago, that was sitting on the shelf. Tens, 10, 20 of them were sitting on the shelf. $35 a bottle and you know it just it goes in um, like a procession I guess you could say uh-huh. you know like w- one one line like the Pappy Van Winkle has always been Pappy Van Winkle because Stitzel Weller the original distillery that made it that's like really really good stuff Buffalo Trace it's just it's not bad stuff but it's it's like the 20 and 23 are terrible terrible whiskeys the 15's okay. The rye is amazing. It's the best thing they have. And then you give them the 10 and the 12. But then you have uh, Weller, old well, uh, Weller Antique, um, which is the 107. Uh, and that's better than, you know, most of the things that they have. Uh, you know, better than the 10, better than the 12. I think it's better than the 15 year. You know, it's better than 20, better than 25. It, you know, it, it's, it's just, a, you know, a, a different bottle that doesn't cost as much because it doesn't have the label on it. So you have the Poppy Van Winkle, right, from Buffalo Trace, that, that they're just astronomical and out of control, and you can't find them anywhere, you know, even if you're looking for them. And then after that, it was the, you know, Weller 12-year and the Weller Special Reserve, which is the green label, and the 12 years of the blue label, and then the, the, um, the Antique, which is the 107. So those three... You know, after you couldn't find the um, the old Rip Van Winkle and the Pappy Van Winkle, those are the next three to get, you know, destroyed and disappear off the shelf. And then you can only find them on the secondary market for two, three hundred dollars, which is astronomical because they were only it's only a twenty eight to thirty five dollar bottle. So then once that was gone, then you had Rock Hill Farms and uh, 
you know, that was depleted and then that came on the secondary market and then you have Blanton's. So now everything from Buffalo Trace, that's not actual, that doesn't say Buffalo Trace, uh, you, you can't find any of it. It's, it's all in the secondary market and it's all just a ridiculous price. And mm-hmm. I'm not, it's not bad whiskey. It's just, it's normal whiskey that, you know, supply and demand, man. That's, that's, that's how it is, gentlemen. You know, the supply stays the same, the demand gets higher, and then, you know, that's inflation right there, and it's people will pay it. Rich people walk into uh, a liquor store, and I've seen it happen, and the entire line of Pappy Van Winkle probably costs about maybe 400 bucks. I'll say 400 bucks. You can get all five bottles, six bottles. You can get all six bottles of, of old Rip Van Winkle and Pappy Van Winkle, for four or five hundred bucks, that's like the tissue cost, maybe six hundred bucks tops. Mm-hmm. And they're walking in, they're like, "Here's twelve grand, thanks." Yeah, and you're like, and you're like "What? You just spent twelve thousand dollars on six bottles of mediocre at best whiskey?" Yeah, it just, it's all it, it's, it, yeah, it's all relative. It's it's, it's my yeah, no, it's absolutely insane because that's actually the main reason why I asked you, like, what's your thoughts on Blanton's? Because like. It's solid, but it's, it's not worth three hundred bucks. Exactly. If you put it in a different bottle, it's yes. maybe a thirty-five dollar bottle. But because you put it in a pretty bottle with a horse on top that has an individual letter, people mm-hmm. are like, "Yeah, I yep. have seventy. Oh wait, that's the last bottle to complete my uh, set. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's two hundred. <laughs> like people are insane. Like, don't get me wrong. I've been collecting the stoppers since I was probably a little bit too young to drink. Yeah, not gonna lie. Yeah. But I'm one letter away, and I'm still hunting that down. But would I pay two hundred dollars for that same bottle just for the stopper? No, no. It's it's nope. stupid, but it's absolutely hilarious yeah. what people will pay for something like that. It's crazy, yeah, I'm, man. I'm, I'm, I like these people that that sit down in line and you know they camp out for like special releases, and it's like Old Forester birthday bourbon, and Old Forester <laughs> birthday bourbon. Is just, it's, it's terrible, but like. You walk by and it's like, oh, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're camping out till tomorrow morning when they open up because they're releasing birthday bourbon. And literally, like, you see these people, they come out with their birthday bourbon, you know, uh, 36 hours later without sleeping or anything. And they literally just sit down in their thing and they take a picture of it and they, they, they put it on, like, offer up or whatever the hell, you know, wherever the hell they start selling whiskey for, for, you know, 500% over what they paid for. And it's really just, it's really crappy. It's a really crappy situation. Uh-huh. That is absolutely insane. Yep. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that, Ed. If you were to put Bland's in a different bottle, I think no one would even bat an eye. No one. You put it in just a regular bottle, people would just be like, yeah, it's no big deal. But it's, it's a very attractive... Okay, I'm staring at the bottle that Ed gave me for my my wedding day. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't know until just recently, like whatever you, I mean, I really don't care because I drink bourbon because I, I, I buy these bourbon bottles cause I want to drink them. I have literally eight bottles of bur- eight bottles of Buffalo trace that I plan mm-hmm. on drinking because yeah. I like Buffalo trace. Yeah. And you That's can it. drink it without, just... without being like, Oh man, I got to drink this. Bo- I'm going to open this bottle. I spent so much money on it. And then, no. you know, yeah. whiskey's meant to be opened. You know, that's my uh-huh. whole philosophy on it. 
people were like, can I buy, you know, some Willet off of you? And I'm like, well, I don't have anything open right now. I, I freaking, you know, I, uh, I, I drink everything that I, that I get. It's, uh-huh. There's literally, I, there's one bottle that's not open in my, in my entire, uh, um, cabinet. And it, I'm fine with that. I'm okay with it. What is it? I got, I got to know. The, the, the bourbon man has one bottle. You got to tell me now. Come on. It is a, uh, so the, the bottle of whiskey that I reviewed yesterday, um, I, I got, I got two bottles of Willet. Uh, that one was an eight year, which is, uh, their OG mash bill, uh, which is, you know, something that they've, they've been making for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. But I, the, he also sent me a 10-year that his uncle picked. Um, and so it's funny with when you when you deal with Willet, you know, with, with barrel picks, because so I picked three barrels of Willet in 2019. Um, in September of 2019 and February of 2020 was when they were um, when they were bottled. Now they were nine year I picked, and up until I think seven or seven year, anything older than seven year in 2019 was uh, sourced. So Will it's legendary because they bought a bunch of very, very, they bought, they bought a bunch of whiskey at a very young age and they kept it and they aged it on Willet property um, for years, for several years. Mm-hmm. So, they, you know, they bought a lot of sourced whiskey from Heaven Hill and, and you know, Stitzel Weller. And, and they, they aged it. And so they have these like ridiculous age statements, not that much anymore, but you know, 15, 16, 20, I've had a 28 year old rye that's out of control. Um, but you know, everything's very, very good that comes out of their warehouses. So I think this 10 year is actually not Willet juice. It's, it's a source juice that they aged at Willet. Um, and it's a private barrel pick. I don't even know how many bottles they had. And I can't even see because I'm blind. But so I have this 10-year that I have to do a review on as well. Um, there was only 159 bottles. It's a 10-year at 119 proof. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is something that the, the mystique about Willet purple foil tops, had people go absolutely bananas over it. And I can tell you, like, that price has increased dramatically as well. Um, I think 2014. 2014 uh i have i got a uh 21-year b51 and b is where the warehouse warehouse b um and the the barrel number is it was b51 and a b52 i think there were 21 20 21 years i think they were uh and i got them for 300 dollars a piece and that's you know what you pay for in the package store you know at that time um now they're like five, six thousand dollars a bottle. You know, there's no rhyme or reason to it except for the demand. And that, let me tell you something: once that stuff's gone, nobody's freaking getting that at all, ever again. And if you do, you're going to spend sixty grand for it, seventy thousand dollars a bottle. No, definitely too rich for my blood. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I got to ask what's going on right now, because I, I checked your Instagram. You have some type of giveaway. I don't know if you want to mention that to our listeners. So I, I, uh, I partnered up with um, golf gods. Those, those are my homies uh, over there in Australia. Um, Down under. Yeah, man. 
those guys are those guys are crazy, and I fear fear for my life if I ever go to Australia and hang out with them, which oh, I will. Come on, I mean, I mean, come on. We're from. I feel like Australia is the Florida of the Oceanics because only oh. they have some of the the craziest. I've, I've I've seen interviews with Chris Helmsworth, aka Thor. Who yeah. have said, yeah, I've I've walked into my room and saw a snake. I closed the door. I don't know if it's still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's wild. It's a, it's a different breed. Uh huh. So yeah. So so um, golf gods. Uh, you know, we, we've had a long out, uh, long relationship. Uh, I've done uh, giveaways with them before, but they just came out with this new cigar case that's actually pretty pretty choice, top notch. Um, so I have a cigar case from them. Uh, and then I worked with uh, doing the same collaboration with uh, House Blends, uh, which is a cigar company that does custom blended and custom rolled cigars. So I have the Golf Gods cigar case, the travel humidor, built in humidor with four custom rolled cigars from House Blends um, and a bottle of JTS Brown because that's my favorite. And then I have a two ounce sample bottle of a purple, uh, you know, purple foil top, uh, Willet, a bourbon uh, that the winner will, I'm not going to say what it is, but the winner will, will get the answer to that, uh, you know, whoever wins. So basically it's like a binder special, you know, it's, it's my special, like this is what I bring to the golf course, you know, when I go play four mm-hmm. cigars, a bottle of bourbon and, you know, just, just have at it. It's a, it's a, it's a binder special. So I have that. The giveaway started today. Uh, we're going to give it a couple weeks um, and get people to enter. Um, and uh, I mean, how, how do you enter? How do, how do you enter? So the post that I posted today, uh, Thursday the 16th, um, you just go on it and you all you got to do is literally tag three people. Tag, tag the three other people in your foursome that you want to share this bottle and, and these other three cigars with, you know? It's it's nice and easy. There's a lot of people that do like the, or you gotta you gotta oh yeah, and you have to follow Golf Gods and you have to follow uh, House Blends Direct. Uh, but it's but the directions are on the post. Um, mm-hmm. I see a lot of people and they're like, okay, so this is what you have to do. You have to follow these ten people. You have to repost uh, my post, and then you gotta tag three people on your post and tag three people on, and it just gets like people are like, well, what the hell am I doing this for? This is ridiculous. So yeah. it's it's pretty easy. Just tag three people, follow two people, and and then there you go. You entered one entry per person. So so okay. you're, 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 I'm entered. So so you're for this for this giveaway, you're getting a cigar case. Yes, a for, humidor, for, a leather uh, humidor. You're you're getting how many cigars? Uh, four custom roll, custom blended, custom rolled cigars. And you're getting. A Bill Bender recommendation recommended bourbon. Yes, JTS I mean, Brown Bottle and Bond. I mean, you, you've heard it here. I mean, what else could you possibly want for a a great day out on the course? Take a hole in one. I never had one before. You know, <laughs> that was one of my questions. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Nope. Not as close as I ever came was on a par four when I was eighteen years old. That's it. It just never. I've been playing golf for sugar. Um, uh, see that? I caught myself. I didn't curse. 
Um, <laughs> I, uh, 41. Uh, so I've been playing golf for 38 years and the, the closest yeah. I ever came yeah. was on a par four. Yeah. What, what club? Uh, it was a three wood from 285. I'm, I'm I'm hoping for a one iron in one of these one one of, one of these scenarios. Yeah, no, I don't, the one iron is going to be tough, <laughs> but I, I will try. I will definitely try. I mean, um, I'm I'm hoping one day you and I both have a free a free weekend where we can, because I need to try that one iron and I need a, you know, I would love to play golf with you. I would yeah, love man. for Ed good, my a, I, I need Ed to come down. All the way to Florida because he's you know hogging up all the cool weather up in North Carolina. Hey, I need him hey, to come hey, down it's here. It's not cool, Ed. It's not cool. Hey, Ed. hey, hey. First off, it is still hot as freaking balls here. I don't want to hear it. Second off, I, I don't want to hear it unless it's like unless it's triple digits with humidity. The only people that can really complain about the heat are Floridians, Texans. Maybe like New Mexico and Arizona, we yeah, we are allowed to complain about the heat, humidity, anything. Yeah. Okay. Tell you what, I'll make it easy. I will be on the Gulf Coast from third week of October through Thanksgiving, or if you give me heads up, I will gladly book a flight down just to play golf. I That's, mean, if <laughs> if Miss if Mister Bill Bender makes time in his busy schedule, you know, conquering the bourbon world. Yeah, man. I don't, see, I don't see why not. We can't make this happen. I'm in, dude. I'm in. It's cool. I'm in. Definitely. Perfect. I mean, I, 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 I don't have any more questions unless um, there's anything else Ed has. Nah, I'm good. Uh, Bill, thank you so much. Tonight was awesome. It was Thanks for having me, having guys. You. I, I greatly appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much, um, everyone. Thank you. And we're back. Oh, thank God. It's been way too long, Jamie. Oh, all right. So thank you guys so much, and we'll see you soon. See you next time at In the Rough Podcast, a podcast for people who suck at golf. Have a good night, right. y'all. Take care.